And welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. Today, I'm joined by a friend of the show, a former guest just a couple weeks ago, Maxwell Klitsky. Maxwell, how are you doing today? I'm good, Justin. How are you? Good, good. Cannot complain. We're in the middle of a coaching search. So <laughs> in my opinion, one of the most uh, fun, even though I, I've got to say it's, it's, it's already kind of wearing on me a little bit mm -hmm. with some of the dialogue and stuff, but um football football must be played in the meantime yep. eight more weeks of still of playing games on saturday yep yep so um for those that don't know max does a great job on twitter kind of having all sorts of observations and um just just one of my favorite follows on twitter uh to put it in short and um he's been making some great points these last few weeks as usual a lot of them along the same lines of what i've kind of been alluding to or Kind of outright asking for which is kind of having some of the young guys play um just all across the board not any particular position like i know everyone's mind just goes to quarterback which probably does include that but i think more of a philosophy across the whole um so i guess max right away what have you seen overall from some of the young guys that have gotten a chance to play here in the last couple of weeks your overarching thoughts um yeah i would say um credit to the defensive side of the staff part of it's because they've had to because of injury but i think that they've done the best job between them and the offense um of getting these young guys like in games and in positions where they you know feet to the fire kind of you know succeed or fail and get their experience that way i mean we saw it last year with uh uh, Jane Mangum and Dylan Tatum and even Malik Spencer getting some run last year. And those guys now are like, you know, they already feel like they're mainstays of this defense. Um, you know, in the, you know, at the 22 class recruiting wise, like we are really all in on this defensive talent mm -hmm. that we have. So it's, they've done a good job of um, introducing them, getting them run. Um, it was good to see, you know, chance rucker after getting picked on uh the first drive right. for the game for maryland he did a really good job of um kind of settling in and and having a good game um outside of that mm -hmm. um so that's positive there um i think so far we've seen you know eight of the young quote unquote younger guys like guys that are you know either in their true like second year playing right. um i'm kind of including um Morgan Smith in that he would be the kind of the ninth guy since mm -hmm. it's really his second year playing he only really got some run last year at Cincinnati even though it's his third year in college football but you have like eight guys you have you know the three that I named earlier uh you have Chance right. Rucker and then you have Zion Young doing well um and then to me say Adelaide you know doing really well he was out last week with injury mm -hmm. um but he came back in this Maryland game and he did fairly well as well um but really some improvements I could still see is like Jordan Hall has to start. Yes. He has to start the rest of the way. Um, I don't know how that shakes out with how you've, you know, with Winman's availability. Mm -hmm. um, he was listed as out last week. So, you know, interested mm -hmm. to see if he's questionable this week, but looking at availability reports, anybody who's been questionable hasn't played either. Right. Um, so I would still think, you know, I think it was Al Karsten. Um, he mm -hmm. put out some stuff that PFF yeah. did and just showed how, 
high graded Jordan Hall did. And he was one of our best linebackers and best defensive players, mm-hmm. um, which we thought that would be a ceiling for him. Obviously, like we, you know, Jordan Hall, like three year captain at IMG or maybe four years, like captain right. at IMG as an underclassman. Yeah. Um, and then coming in and taking over right away. And it's like, that's what you want to see. We didn't think it would be four games in the season, but right. the staff really needs to prioritize, you know, letting him be a leader, even though mm-hmm. it's his first year on campus at Michigan State. Yeah, no doubt at all, for sure. I think um, Winman um, probably should be more of a pass rusher. I know Michigan State doesn't really kind of just have a 5-2 that's like a, a 4-3 personnel, but a pseudo 5-2 kind of look that the Eagles, for example, like with uh, Hassan Reddick, he's the same linebacker, but it's pretty much always a 5-2 front as him being a stand-up rusher. Uh, rusher out next to the strong side defensive end. That's kind of how I would use him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would have Jordan Hall back there. And then I guess take your pick between Aaron Brule and Cal Halliday. I'd probably say Aaron Brule, but I haven't sat there and watched every single snap of his. Um, I think at, at that point uh, on the defense, you probably have all the youth you could ask for. Like you said, the defensive mm-hmm. staff has been doing a good job. Uh, the DBs are pretty much all young. I'd like to continue to see Chance Rucker start. Chance was going to start uh, game one against Central Michigan. Um, Stephen Brooks, my colleague at 24-7 Sports, he kind of was reporting that before the season started. Then Chance picked up a minor injury that had him out a couple weeks. Um, so that's kind of how he got pushed back to, to this point. But so I don't, I don't have any doubts that he's going to be a mainstay in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And then the safeties, they already are young. Um, and then Dylan Tatum, obviously the other mm-hmm. corner. So like the, the defense is doing a good job playing the young guys offensively, Max. I have, I have one question for you. What class do you think the two lowest rated offensive players in the Maryland game were minimum 30 snaps, according to PFF? Uh, what recruiting class they came out of? Yeah, or just what class in school are they? Are they seniors? Are they juniors? Are they freshmen? Are they sophomores? They are the holdovers of the D'Antonio era offensive line. That is that is correct. It is okay. So the the dead last ranked player minimum thirty snaps in offense was Trey Mosley, but right above him was J.D. Duplain, and this is becoming a pattern at this point in time. It is either J.D. Duplain, um, who is is towards the bottom, or it is one of the other older offensive linemen that should not kind of be taking steps backwards. Instead, should be taking steps up. And you cannot go ahead and just bench all of the older guys because you need somebody maybe making the calls. But I would probably cap it at one, one of those guys playing at a time. My ideal offensive line would probably be um, – so it's tricky because Spencer Brown, who I think had a very brutal maybe weeks two and three, was the second highest rated player on Michigan State's entire offense this 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 week. But at the same time, the fact that the one player higher than him was Ethan Boyd, and he continues to play better than him almost every week, has me at least thinking there should be a 60-40 snap share there with mm-hmm. Boyd being the 60 just because he has a longer has the higher ceiling. Um, and then I guess maybe same X still at center, like I said, the veteran making the calls. Dino Vandermark to the right of him, Kevin Wigginton, I would say, maybe to the left of him, maybe Chris Phillips. I guess I don't see him in practice every day. One of those two guys, probably. Keyshawn Blackstack, I don't think he's actually a left tackle. Um, but I I would say he's probably worthy of of playing there just for because he's here this year, next year. 
Um, Brandon Baldwin, I can't necessarily say he's looked bad. But, like, that's kind of where I would draw the line at in terms of, like, how many snaps the older guys should get. J.D. Duplain rotating in. Um, had mm-hmm. some great quotes today. Great culture guy, it seems like. Doing a great job keeping the team together. But at the end of the day, you have to build for next year. And um, that's – I would have said that even if some of these guys were playing at a C-plus level, but they're not even playing at that level. Right. And that's not just going off of these PFF grades. These are eye test observations that are, that are sometimes kind of confirmed by these grades. These are no way, shape, or form perfect. Um, but, I don't know, that's kind of my take on the offense line. Where do you kind of see your ideal, I guess, starting five? Or just what are your thoughts on the offensive line and young guys? Yeah, yeah it's tough. I, I think Samex kind of – you know, it's always hard to replace, you know, an Allen brother or, mm-hmm. you know, um, coming in. So we, over the course of his whole kind of career, he was kind of benchmarked against, you know, being an Allen kind of mm-hmm. comparison. And that's just like large shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously had his struggles like throughout his career, but I think he's done fairly well and acquitted himself in that center position. Um the guard position just as a whole has been kind of interesting. Um, like you, you said, like JD Duplain, you know, six year guy, you know, anchor of a leader on the team. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's nothing that says to me that like people don't listen to his input or like value what he's saying. Right. But, but at the same time too, it's like goals to win, win games and to be in the best position to win those games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think like, he's just so hot and cold. He's really good. Um, he grades really high on pass protection, mm-hmm. but he grades really poorly on, on run blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and with this offense, you know, we're still for whatever reason, trying to, you know, run our head into the wall and be run to set up the pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of struggles and that's where you see, you know, this era of like, why haven't we been able to run the ball when we don't have a generational running back in the backfield. Um, and even Gino struggled in the Washington game. I know he picked up an injury and was, was out last week. Um, Kevin Wigington obviously is a name that we wanted to see probably like sooner, especially getting youth in the offensive line. And, and he struggled against, um, he had a rough, rough Maryland game, but he had mm-hmm. done well previously in the season. I think right. he gave up eight pressures alone, um, and he was far and away mm-hmm. the, the most um, kind of pressured. Get, he was the lineman that gave up the most pressures in the Maryland game. Okay. So okay. he struggled, but, you know, I would still think, you know, Boyd at right tackle, um, we definitely need to see his play share increase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even for a lot of these positions, it's like – yeah, are they any better? Well, we don't know, but we also right. have the luxury of time where we don't really have that with Spencer Brown. Um, yeah. I think at this point we know, you know, guys like Spencer Brown, we know what he is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we may as well, you know, put a guy like an Ethan Boyd in. And if right. he takes his lumps, then, you know, can he respond to it and learn from it and, right. you know, have more tenacity in the in the line play and everything and right. kind of find that edge, but... Yeah. yeah, so it's for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I, yeah, I had the oversight on Wigginson giving up eight hold pressures. My thing was, I, I kind of heard like all offseason, like how he'd taken a big leap and how he's gonna kind of outplay his recruiting ranking this year and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, if, if that was indeed the case, I should have also watched him a little more, but um, that's not ideal. 
But um, like you said, kind of your overall, your sentiment there, um, which I kind of tweeted about the quarterback um, kind of debate in this way. And that is if everybody on the team is going to take some lumps and maybe nobody is a savior at a given position, it's who would you rather see make those mistakes if everybody's mm-hmm. going to make them. And um, that's kind of where I'm thinking where it's somebody that probably is going to be here for two, three years um, that I would rather see see take those lumps. Um, and, and Chris Phillips, I don't know necessarily how consistent he is, but on some of these long Nathan Carter runs in weeks one and two, like he, he's, he was he's the one nice setting shot. it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like these guys show flashes to the point where you'd like to see a larger sample size on them, even if they're also going to be making as many mistakes as some of these older guys that we're talking about regressing. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at the overall playing the young guys de- like kind of debate right now. I don't think it's at the point where like, it's just, Oh, like don't even worry about winning games this year. Just go ahead and play all the young guys, total rebuild. I don't think it's at that point yet. I think if you can somehow win this Iowa game, you're at a point where you can still make a bowl game. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a fine line between just only playing the older guys because you think they're better than the younger guys and not even letting the younger guys develop versus saying, okay, the difference is negligible or at least it's not that major to the point where like the carry share should be distributed a little more evenly while still having a chance to win, which I don't Mm -hmm. think playing any of the guys were suggesting would limit their chances of winning. Um, That brings us to the debate at kind of quarterback. Um, This week they're going to the house of horrors playing a, playing a night game um, at Kinnick stadium. How much do you put weight into that when discussing the dialogue of how soon Kaiten Hauser needs to be playing? Obviously, we don't know if Kim's going to be starting this game. Coach Barnett said that. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see him have a very short leash in this game and then switch it up to Kaiten Hauser like this show they were willing to do last week? Or would you kind of have him in bubble wrap one last game? Where do you stand on that discussion? Honestly, um, if the coaching situation wasn't what it was, I would probably opt to say like maybe bubble wrap him, you know, give Kim, you know, maybe a few more drives, but like with so much other stuff going on, um, Mm -hmm. the best way to put it, you have to be able to advertise that like there's something salvageable in the program. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, my whole take on Kim was, you know, even before the season and even during the whole quarterback battle is like, he's been here for four years and what we're seeing, although non-game experience, like it's kind of in the walls already with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And even it's not a point I really brought up or or thought about really until um, he was the starter, but, you know, he came in in that 2020 class. So the only offensive coordinator he knows, um, truly is jay johnson Mm -hmm. um so you know if he has those tools to work with um and this is the result of them like we should probably have him on a pretty short leash at kinnick um Mm -hmm. just for the sheer fact of like we've not been able to start games quickly um and that's a big issue even going back to last year of Mm -hmm. not being able to start strong um i tweeted out earlier this week i think it was yesterday um, we have not scored a touchdown on our first or second drive of the game this season at all. It right. took six drives to score the first touchdown against Central. Um, 
it took three drives against Richmond and mm-hmm. FCS team who mm-hmm. I didn't see what they've done since losing to MSU, but I'm assuming with their loss to Morgan state didn't indicate good things for them right. in the FCS side. And then mm-hmm. on the 11th and final drive of the game, we scored with our backup quarterback uh, mm-hmm. playing against, you know, base shell defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maryland, it took our seventh drive. Um, we had, you know, three turnovers, um, the pick, um, the fourth and one being stopped short on downs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Nathan Carter fumbling. Now, not mm-hmm. all of that is, you know, at the, at the lap of Noah Kim, but it's mm-hmm. a symptom of what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not going to change your game plan, change your personnel or vice versa, mm-hmm. whatever we're doing on offense to start games isn't working. Right. Um, and obviously we can probably go the whole show and talking about the quarterback battle and just go back and forth on what our opinions are and everything. Um, but we've kind of seen what Kim is at this point. And even though it's his like fifth start ever um, in college, it's like, okay, well, we're a third of the way through the season already. Yeah. Um, that's enough sample size. Like, sure. Is it four games? Yeah. But it's enough sample size. You're right. playing against like an elite, you know, playoff contending team Mm -hmm. that has not the greatest defense, but a like a formidable defense. And then, you know, a Maryland team that's, that's on the upswing that now is um, above Michigan state at this point. Um, You know, they've, they've worked themselves up and Michigan state has fallen themselves back into the realm of like, are we, in that same tier as Maryland anymore, even, you know, after losing, you know, the games we've lost to them um, Mm -hmm. the past two years. Um, Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of, it's just a mess um, offensively, just like writ large, you know, Mm -hmm. we talked about, um, you know, the offensive line skill position players, but I think there's still a lot more run that like guys like uh, Tyrell Henry and Antonio gets junior can get. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on with Barbrin. Um, maybe you do, um, but why haven't we seen him right. yet to, you know, especially with the injuries at running back mm-hmm. and everything, like we got to do something different. Right. Yeah. So just, um, unpacking the quarterback discussion a bit more when you said that they either have to change their personnel or their game plan. Uh, I don't know what to what extent I would say they have changed the game plan since it, it hasn't worked, uh, regardless of what changes they've made. But I think um, if you recall the Central Michigan game, they were coming in more of a balanced kind of pro style, um, kind of grind grind the ball, grind the possession up upfield, have sustained drive, short yard short um, yards per play, kind of have that sort of a sustained drive. Then you'll recall the last couple games, they have the flea flicker, flea flicker in there. They have three of the four four plays as passing plays here this past game. So, like, I think Jay's trying to open it up a little more, but he was rewarded for that by that interception that we saw in the first mm-hmm. drive. So, I think, um, I don't know, I don't want to give, I don't want to give too much credit to them changing the game plan because, like, I'm not necessarily seeing like how the route trees are varying. I'm not sitting there picking that apart like with all twenty two. So again, I'm not trying to say that oh Jay's done all he could all he could do in order to have better better starts. Not saying that. But I think they've kind of tried some things to have a mm-hmm. shift in game plan. So the only thing that I would say at this point that would have a drastic change 
because uh, you are who you are as an offensive coordinator. So a, a drastic change, I think, would come from changing quarterbacks there. Um, this is what I kind of said also on Twitter before, um, kind of diving deep into it. And that's that every quarterback on this roster right now, whether that's the top two that we're thinking of, whether that's somebody like a Sam Levitt, none of them are going to be playing off the charts, um, savior-esque, making no mistakes, clean game. We saw that with um, Kayton in this past game, having that um, interception on that screen. Um, I don't think it's fair to say that in a four-game sample size, Kayton's going to absolutely light up um, in comparison to Noah Kim's last four-game sample size. I cannot definitively tell you that. Mm -hmm. But what I can definitively tell you is that I, at least, would rather have those mistakes coming from somebody that has that ceiling um, if I'm in charge of making decisions and I'm in charge of the program versus Noah Kim making those same mistakes. And the biggest reason I say that, not just from the logic on the surface of that sentence as a whole, but from what I know of why they chose Noah Kim to begin with was because despite Kayton Hauser outperforming Kim in the scrimmages in camp in the fall, it was the fact that Kim was more of a consistent, steady hand that they could trust over a larger sample size. Mm -hmm. And he would not make a play or two that would change the complexion of the game. Whereas they could not be certain that, that Kayton couldn't do that. Therefore, you are now in a situation where the entire basis of your decision of choosing Kim has now been invalidated. So if that is the case, and that central foundation to the decision no longer stands at what point do you now feel that you are okay to go back on your decision as an offensive staff that is the way that i frame the argument nobody is saying oh if Kayton's over there where michigan state's three and one or mm -hmm. they lose to washington by only 14 or that they win any more games the rest of the season than they would with kim mm -hmm. nobody has any delusions of grandeur that uh, well, I'm sure some people do. Some people probably think he's just going to come in and, and, and mm -hmm. he'd flip a switch. But right. And maybe he could. I'm just saying that's not where I'm coming from when I'm arguing that he should play. Um, I don't necessarily know what the, I guess, future holds for any of these three guys. But one thing that I would say is that you would like to know what you have in all three of them before the season ends. Just mm -hmm. so that, I mean, I guess it's a weird dynamic because like it's very possible, very, very, very likely that Jay's not here next year. So he probably doesn't have an incentive to think like that. But like, I don't know, that's just where my head goes is how are you going to let the season end without kind of almost having um, a, almost a split snap share between at least Kim and, and Kate and then a few snaps here and there for, for Levitt. Um, I don't know. That's kind of what I where I it's, stand on. It's the whole just shocking to me that Jay is so good at identifying yeah. this talent early, and then once it's in the building, he just doesn't know what to do with it or how to manage it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of been proved. That's kind of been borne out. Um, yeah, it's just it's perplexing to me. Yeah. And like you said, he he doesn't have you know likely an incentive to find out some of these answers um but i mean for the rest of the staff like and even for jay it's like every week is an audition for the yeah. staff like he, it's the same way like in the nfl when a coach gets fired yeah. you know when everybody is like okay even for the guys too like we're going to have some attrition like what do you want to put on tape and it's like that's the coaches are tied just into that with 
with play calling and you know right. if guys aren't executing you know football people are smart they can see when it's an execution or can just conceptually flawed um so it's just like what yeah. do you want to put on your resume and that's really should be the mindset going forward it's like yeah you want to win now and win games for the guys in the room and for the season because like you know football minds are like you know one week at a time one game at a time right right right. that mindset but like people don't operate that way either so it's Mm -hmm. like long term like do you want to do well enough to stay here or are you just punting on that and just like gonna take your buyout and just chill yeah. Like, do you want it? Do you want to work next year? Do you want another power five job? Do you want right. a job in general? So it's just, yeah. it's just frustrating because yeah. it's, it's hard for me to see um, certain position groups and certain decisions and personnel and stuff. And it's just hard to me, hard for me to think that, that some guys in the staff haven't mailed it in at this point. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right. And and I think like, yeah, to your point, um, even if Jay does not have the incentive to find out what the entire room consists of, like you're saying, he has the incentive of looking as good as possible for the rest of the season for mm-hmm. his next next job. And he's not necessarily looking great with Kim. So even for his own selfish reasons, well, not selfish, it's just survival of, of his career. W- what he should be doing is seeing, okay, does one of the other guys give me a better shot? Because let's say they don't, right? Like let's let's say that that you put in you put in Kate and Hauser and um he's somehow drastically worse than Noah Kim. You're right now playing with the twelfth best quarterback in the Big Ten in QBR. If you suddenly are playing with the fourteenth best quarterback in the Big Ten in QBR, I don't think your prospects in in your next job are going to be much lower than what you're currently putting out Mm -mm. there with this product. So it's like risk versus reward is you're close to the seller right now with with where you stand, but you could improve that or at the very least have a crutch and say, Hey, you know, I tried my best, but I had this young quarterback, 18 years old. Okay. Now is a year younger than his class. Didn't get a ton of snaps at, at his high school because of political reasons with who the other coach's kid was. You can have this whole narrative that you can be like, well, that's kind of why we struggled is because I was breaking him in. It just seems from every angle to make sense for him mm-hmm. to go this route, um, even for his own reasons, That you, even if you set aside the Michigan State side. So I'm just not really understanding. Right. Again, like it's, it's, it's only week five. So like, well, actually, you can't really say it's only week five when you have such a slim margin of error to make a bowl game. And one of those games was last week and one of them is this week. But like, I don't know if, if by week seven or eight, like if at least after the bye, um, there is not a huge change in, in performance from Kim or a change in who is starting. I'm, I'm just going to be very shocked at the rationale behind it. Even if the coaches don't have Michigan state's best interests in mind. And if, even if they're only considering their own interests, which I wouldn't blame mm-hmm. them, it still just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I guess the other position I would touch on in this discussion, tight end, I don't necessarily have any sort of real read 
on how much better or worse Brendan Parachek or Jack Nickel or Michael Masunas is than, say, Jalen Franklin. Um, that is a position where I have not had a pulse. Um, most of, of this fall camp, I would, I would be honest with, with the listeners and say, but I have a hard time believing that maybe a, a nickel um, or, or a pair check cannot be a tight end three and like a goal line set now that a tiny hopper is out. I, I would like to see at least those guys get on the field and see what they have there. It's just, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of have a hard time believing that that those guys really can't see the field right now with, with the tight end room that Michigan State and it's And it's just one of those things too, it's like, we're not even trying. Right. Either. Like, are they really, one, is there that far of a gap? And two, mm-hmm. that leads into why. Um, right. What have you been doing in your development? You know, have there been injuries that have been more significant than the public knows about? Or, you know, are we just not even trying? Um, and that's concerning if we're not even trying because we could have talented guys, albeit inexperienced, but, you know, let talent try to win out, you know? Yeah. And you see all over like college football, the NFL, like when coaches are struggling and they're like kind of on the hot seat, um, what they usually try to do is they try to turn to as much young talent as possible to kind of shift the blame and say, hey, we're just we're developing guys. We need more time. We need a longer leash. Don't fire mm-hmm. us just yet. I get it's a different circumstance because the head coach is already gone, so the odds of any of them staying are much lower. But like you see it, like a, a Matt Nagy kind of attaching himself to the Justin Fields um, timeline and saying, hey, I just got my guy. You can't fire me just yet. Right. Um, like that, I just I'm surprised that they're not going that route. Um, uh, receiver, I guess the only position really left. I think. Um, I don't, I, I don't think we can just say, oh, don't play Trey Mosley or play him less or anything like that. Just, I would say, rotate him even more. They're, they're doing a decent job. Like, you see a Tyrell Henry touchdown, mm-hmm. and, and, and you see Antonio Gates running a few routes. He's a good blocker, too, by the way. I've, right. I've, I've noticed that a lot from, from up mm-hmm. in the booth. But, uh, yeah, like, play, play him even more. Um, I, I think Hawk does a, does a good job of kind of understanding what his talent is. And he didn't really rotate him the last couple of years, but I think it was a bigger drop-off from the starters in the past couple of years. Because when you have a – Keon, Jaden Reed, mm-hmm. um, Trey Mosley, and then you're trying to rotate guys that are true freshmen, which all these 2022 guys were last year. That's a little different than what you have this year. So I won't hold it against him the last few years from not rotating. I think it's good he did it. Mm-hmm. But this year, um, he's done a decent job. I'd, I'd say do it even more, but uh, can't complain yeah. too much with him. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Hawkins has taken it seriously, and I think he's just going mm-hmm. about his business, you know, no matter who was at the helm. I think he would be doing this regardless of you know, who was running the show and if there was an interim and if his job was really in, in jeopardy. So right. he's been taking it seriously from the start. He knew the amount of young talent and, you know, we had a bunch of questions in the off season of who's going to be the other two guys, you know, is it going to be Montori definitively as wide receiver two? And then who's all fighting for the wider yeah. for, for that third spot, but he's done a really mm-hmm. good job of rotating guys around and, not just getting them in games, but getting them targets and everything, getting right. them looks too. So, yeah, I think out of all these coaches, um, I think Hawk is is the guy that I would say. Well, you can't really necessarily put like percentages on it or say likelihoods until you know who the next coach is and who his mm-hmm. current wide receivers coach is. But like, I think he's he's the guy that deserves the most to be to be retained into the next staff. Um, he's missed out on a couple Plan A guys every every so often. But like it doesn't matter when these are your guys right after that. Like if you're mm-hmm. if you're gonna miss on an Amari Winfield, but you're gonna go ahead and get Jaron Glover, 
Tyrell Henry, Antonio Gates, um, then then by all means miss on whoever whatever home run guys you want yeah, to miss right, on. Right, right, and and, and Jalen Smith and Isaiah Isaiah. Jo- Isaiah Johnson, big fans of what their high school tape looked like. Mind blown that Jalen Smith was ranked where he was, mm-hmm. despite the competition he played in Texas and how refined he looked. Right. Um, so like these guys that he gets and then develops, I, I think he has he has done more than prove his worth uh, to this university. And um, I think he's also a very good uh, leader of men type. Mm-hmm. I understand like them not making him the interim just because, you know, he's only been at the college head coach or college coaching level for like three to four years. Harlan's been here 15 plus. I understand that. I still might've gravitated towards making him the interim. I don't know. That might be a hot take, but I think he's a guy that, that deserves to be here on the next staff. After mm-hmm. that, you can debate some guys, but um, I guess like maybe Salgado. Um, I don't really necessarily know like what his long-term career plans are. If this was kind of just a rehab few years and then off mm-hmm. to back to the NFL or what whatnot. But I don't think he's really done anything to make you think he he doesn't deserve to be retained. But I'd also it's a small sample size. Right. Did a good job getting Sire Torres, Cameron Campbell, and those guys. Obviously, probably not going to hold on to him, but. Um, yeah, so like we'll see, we'll see who gets brought back. But right. I think, like your point about Hawk, him just doing work, him keeping his head down, doing the doing best by the players, by the school. Um, I think that's very true, and I think mm-hmm. he, he should be here after this year. Last thing, kind of that we wanted to touch on, Iowa. The Hawkeyes looked absolutely sensational um, at State College, and by sensational, I mean brutal. And four first downs, Max. Four first downs. I don't know how that happens when you are under the gun of your entire career um, as an offensive coordinator being in jeopardy this offseason. You bring in Eric All, you bring in Cade McNamara. I don't think Cade is necessarily great, but I think he is more competent than scoring zero points for you Mm -hmm. in a conference game. I have no idea um, from a schematic standpoint, like where things are going wrong for them. I do not care to know, to be honest. Yeah, so just, I'm not going to be watching their tight cuts and, and just freezing it and drawing with the Apple Pencil and all that. But what I will tell you is if you have 33 plays in an entire game, you are very bad, very, mm-hmm. very bad at your job. And I don't think it probably is all unfairness. I think Cade had some poor composure there. Once Chop Robinson hit him a couple of times from the weak side edge, he just completely had a happy feed and it started mm-hmm. raining and – He's not built for it in certain moments, um, even though he threw for 383 yards against Michigan State. So I don't think we right. this contention mm-hmm. can sit here and, and, and hate on him too much. But at the end of the day, I think it's just a combination of a lot of things going poorly for them. Caleb Johnson was out this past game. Uh, Luke Lecce, their tight end, was out that game. Um, Caleb Johnson, he was week to week. He could be back this week. I'll have to check in on if there's any if there's any talk about that. Latchy, I'm not sure. I think his timeline was undisclosed, unless you have something there that that I'm mistaken on. But no, the only those, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I have is, um, so the fact it it went around on Twitter, um, the wide receivers for Iowa only have 14 catches on 35 targets, mm. and Cade was at the podium today for yes. their media availability, <laughs> and he was asked about this, and he his response just great uh quote i'm just a quarterback i'm not calling plays or doing any of that that's not my decision i'm just gonna run a play that gets called and hit the open guy um so this is really funny because uh bud elliott 
um, from 24-7, yep. hosted Cover 3, mm-hmm. um, dug up the quote, and I forgot about this until he posted it, and then I, it was funny. Yeah. Um, because I was actually pretty high on Cade and Eric all coming over, because, you know, Iowa wants yeah. to do that bully ball kind of Michigan thing, and I thought, I was like, oh, I mean, all Iowa really needs is competence at quarterback and a tight end to throw to, so really, right. like, should be good. So the fact that it's not working is, like, perplexing even to me, but... Cade um, was on a was on a podcast um, called The Room, and he said, uh, "Like, please just keep saying this is the um, the worst offense in college football. Yeah. Uh, please just think we're going to be so crappy next year. Like, please." Yeah. And obviously, he uses more explicit language right. than that in that quote. But it's just the juxtaposition of like you know coming in through the portal. You know, it's like you know bravado and it's like i i really hope that everybody doubts us and then it's just like i don't know man i don't know what to tell you i'm just doing what i'm asked to do (laughs) it's just it's It's, just a mess yeah i i'm with you though like i thought i was going to be able to with their defense be up there uh from a big 10 west uh chances of winning the conference standpoint um really thought that they were going to be maybe between them wisconsin Maybe Minnesota, uh, but Minnesota after that 31 point lead that they or 21 point lead that they blew um, against Northwestern. Obviously, uh, I and many others are wrong about them. And uh, they should have simply rode the boat harder. But anyway, besides <laughs> the point, they, um, yeah, Iowa just, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, like Michigan State, their offense has been bad. Um, their offense has probably. I don't know. I, I, part of me is kind of worried about saying anything too definitively about this game just because of the house of horrors kind of dynamic of uh, Iowa at night and, and far better teams have gone over there and failed. But I think this is a much more winnable game than the Vegas line of, I think, 11 and a half at some books. I think mm-hmm. it opened at eight and a half at Circa, but it's up to Moved 11 to 12 and, 11 and, and then back to 11 and a half or something. OK, like that, yeah. OK. Yeah, like this is that is not the line that I would put on this. And, and I don't know, maybe you disagree, but like the chances of Michigan State wins this game to me are much closer to 50 50. What, what do you think? Yeah, so the really the biggest thing and. Um, a lot of what I'm going to be referencing to is um, mm-hmm. what Parker Fleming puts out weekly. Right. You know those those stat reviews, mm-hmm. um, those previews that are that are great. Um, so if you don't, you know, if you don't follow him or, or see me kind of reposting these, it's it's at Stats of War. He posts like mm-hmm. all the FBS games. Um, really good insight. So f- the keys for me is like this is like bad offense versus pretty good defense but not to the level of good that it's been in the past and then you know suspect defense versus terrible offense Mm -hmm. um so really some of the key things i'm looking for here is like it's still iowa the field position battle is gonna be probably the most important thing um you know i was really gonna try to rely on getting a shorter field you know Mm -hmm. pinning teams in you know, it's, it's hard enough for them to go, you know, 50 yards as it's hard enough for them to go 50 yards, let alone, you know, 75 or 80 or 90. Um, So, you know, you have to kind of come into play knowing that and Michigan state has not done well in the field position battle. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been on, let's see on defense. They've been, you know, uh, opponents have been starting at the roughly the 28 yard line. Um, so that's 106th in the country. 
Um, meanwhile, you know, the Iowa's defense, you know, they force opponents to start roughly at their 25, which is ninth in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, can Michigan State take advantage of, you know, good field position when they have it, which means right. they kind of have to be more aggressive um, in certain times. Um, and I think third downs are really key as well because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Michigan State defense is terrible on early downs but they're good at third downs because when they finally force them they're able to really you know buck up and Mm -hmm. and do a good job they're 16th in third and fourth down success rate um and then i was 116th in third and fourth down success rate Mm. um and then early downs you know i was offense is 83rd but Michigan State's defense is 106th so it's like Mm. who's going to be worse that day and you know if Michigan State's forcing Iowa offense into third downs can they get off the field um right you know and get that thing but you know it's it's Kinnick at night it's weird a lot of bad versus bad a lot of inefficient kind of football being played right um my whole big thing is like even if you come out and lose, this can't look like a get right game for Iowa. This can't right. be, this Absolutely. can't look like a game where they're like, Oh, they figured some things out on offense. Their defense like really stepped up, you know, even mm-hmm. though Michigan state's offense is, you know, going through, going through it right now. Like you can't make Iowa's defense look especially good. Right. Um, and again, just going back to like every week's an audition. What is the staff yeah. going to do? Um, you know, but it's just, it's a lot of bad. I don't know where all these points are coming from personally. Um, you know, Parker has this with his projections. It's a 28 to 12 win for Iowa. Um, mm. You know, Iowa getting 28 points seems unfathomable, but right. with some of the turnover issues we saw last week against Maryland and Iowa being able to be good on a short field at home at night. Um, Mm -hmm. in Michigan State's first road game. Um, You know, either quarterback that's playing in this game is their first road game. Um, And what a way to start at a Kinnick. Um, So I can kind of see it from that standpoint. But, you know, Iowa doesn't really do anything on offense that would terrify me. It's just like, can we figure out how to move the ball against that defense? So Yeah, I I, I have a hard time also seeing like 28 – 12 like I, I think if Michigan State were to lose this game it would be more of like 16 to 9 like I don't I, I with so I just looked it up um Kirk Ferentz did say today uh that Luke Lecce or actually he said he said last week that Luke Lecce would be out for a while mm-hmm. um, a lot of people took that to mean the season so no update this week on that for for obvious reasons with Caleb Johnson and the running back three, uh, Jayzeon uh, Patterson, both of those guys are out this week against Michigan State. So RB1, RB3, and tight end, I guess one or two, um, they are all out this week. And a good chunk of Iowa's kind of success traditionally has been the short passing game to the tight ends and running the ball. So I'm assuming that Brian Ferentz has not reinvented the wheel uh, from the time that I remember watching Iowa's nope. identity. And h- had he done so, he hasn't done a good job of reinventing it, given the outcome. So I think there's no excuse if Michigan State gives up um, 
I guess, sustained drives in this game. I guess if Noah Kim throws an interception while like inside of their own 35 and Iowa gets two first downs and then a 12-yard touchdown pass after that, sure, we'll fine, whatever, that's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like there should not be like two sustained drives where Iowa goes and, and, and puts it in the end zone from like their own 25, their own 30. Right. mistakes i think i think you have to you got you're not going to win the field position defense probably but you cannot be turning the ball over and no you you can't make life easier for i think you don't know what kim hauser at some point in this game yeah i mean just Mm, seems like technical you hear me still max yeah i can hear you you're Okay, you're better now. Okay, all right. Yeah, we'll 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 wrap it up right about now. But yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. Like defense should not be giving up sustained drives. Offense needs to take care of the ball. They're not going to win the turnover turnover battle, but they got to at least kind of keep it where they're not just handing the ball away and really giving short fields. That's kind of my thoughts. On yeah, my and my big my last quick point was, mm-hmm. you know, styles make fights. I think Michigan State matches up better against Iowa who likes to muck it up mm-hmm. and you know get dirty as opposed to you know not dirty in the sense of like personal foul and you know if you play but like you know bar fight kind of thing of like um and that's a stark juxtaposition between what Maryland wants to do and what Washington wants to do um so I think this is a better matchup defensively um, especially for guys like Cal Halliday, who has been picked on in the past game, especially this is, you know, a good game for him to, you know, get into run fits and get downhill and attack guys. So mm-hmm. um, I think we will see a different style of game, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't be probably the most appealing um, football to watch, but it's peak Big Ten football um, at night in prime time on NBC. So what more could you really ask for? Yeah, for sure. I, I think I'm like really starting to have like major Wi-Fi issues here. So okay. we will use this as an excuse <laughs> to excuse to wrap this up. But no, I think that pretty much um, sums up like kind of our thoughts on like which guys should be playing and kind of how this game should go. Um, not really into doing score predictions, but I think uh, Michigan State should have a fighting chance in this game despite what Vegas says. We'll see if they can pull it off. Uh, if they want to make a bowl game, they probably should. But mm-hmm. um, Max, appreciate appreciate all your time. Um, hopefully, people by now understand that if they want to know about ball, specifically MSU ball, they definitely should give you a follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll we'll definitely have you back here soon. Pre- appreciate all your time, Max. Awesome. Appreciate the time, Justin. It was great. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate everyone watching this week's episode of the SD4L Show, and uh, we will be back soon.